Hey, good morning. morning. Let's see if I can get this to work today. Oh, look at that, first time. Hey, let's open our Bibles, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. little look back to uh, last week. We talked about sound words. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. What you, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching or sound words with faith and love in Christ Jesus. The sound words that, these foundational words that really uh, are so important. We talked about that, about guarding them, holding them fast, about passing them on to the next generation, those faithful men and women who would be able to, to teach others. And, uh, you know, we, we try to, it's really one of my main goals to see this pass on and try to give as many opportunities and responsibility as possible to people who uh, are, are, God has put in the hand, His hand upon their lives. And so these, these opportunities are very important. So we... We uh, teach from the Word of God. We try to, you know, be faithful and, and study the Word, not just to tickle people's ears, not just what people want to hear, but the truth as God gave it to us. That's very, very, very important. So, having said all that, good morning. Do you have, do you have, I have I'm having an ear problem in my... It's like blasting inside my ear. You know when you hear your own voice inside your head? It's like, whoa, what's that? Anyways, um, pray for me and I'll, and I'll get through this. It just went away. Well, part of it did. Um, I have a question for you. Do you ever feel deserted? Any of you ever feel deserted? Ever? Like, you know, where are your friends when you need them? Ever feel that way? You know, you're going through a tough time and there's just no one there for you. You know, it, it kind of happens to us in life sometimes, doesn't it? And it's not an easy thing to deal with. But, but really, that's what I want to talk about today when we feel deserted. And we're going to look at Paul's example. It's a very personal uh, section uh, of, of this letter. Paul Paul, you see, Paul wasn't afraid to teach solid doctrine, but he also wasn't afraid to talk about the real personal stuff in his life as well. And it, it really, you know, it's kind of a mixture, isn't it? It's not just that we have to study and fill our heads with doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Well, how does that affect our lives? And how does that affect me personally? And, and it really gets down to this personal uh, application in our lives. But, but Paul was feeling deserted, but, but this idea, and, and uh, I've titled my message today, A Friend in Need. Isn't that cute? I like that. A friend in need is a friend indeed. And that really kind of what is what uh, I, I want to talk about and what Paul, I believe, is talking about today. I'm not just trying to get all, uh, you know, uh, talk about friends and stuff like that, but I want to talk about what Paul was talking about here because he talked about people in his life. 
and how they affected him and, and for the, for, in the negative and also in the positive sense. And so that's what I want to look at. But looking at a definition here, a friend who helps out when we are in trouble is a true friend. And unlike others who disappear when trouble arises or a person who helps at a difficult time is a truly reliable person. Y'all, y'all go through these times. We all go through times. And is there someone there? Is there someone that's there for you? A true friend? A friend that's there when you're in this time of need? You see, we've talked about this from the beginning in, the, in this look at 2 Timothy. Paul was going through a pretty rough period, don't you think? He knew somehow that his life was almost over. So he's at the very end of his life. He's locked up in a dungeon cell, a horrible, horrible dungeon cell. It's damp. It's, it's just horrible down there. He's, he's just having an extremely rough time. That's where Paul's at. You know, do you ever kind of get to that place too? But you'd think, now for Paul, you'd think that that after all the people that he had helped, and he helped a lot of people, wouldn't you say? You know, he ministered for a long, long time before he got to this place where, you know, God says, hey, it's time, I'm, I'm taking you home. But you'd think with all the people that he helped, uh, you know, they'd be lining up to help him, right? Not so. Not, it's not, that's not what happened. That's not what happened in his life. And that's often not what happens in our lives as well. It's not exactly. Somebody said this, uh, when a man is in high repute, he has many friends. When he begins to wear a chain, the friends are apt to fall away. Fair weather friends, isn't that what we call them? When you're doing well and you're, everything's going great in your life, you've got all these friends. If you've got a lot of money, you've got a lot of friends. And then the money kind of goes away and the friends kind of go away too, right? Is anybody still left? Is anybody still there? For you personally, think about this in your own life. The kinds of friends that you have. And maybe as you have gone through a difficult time, how many of them are there? How many of them have reached out to you? How many have been there for you? Or or let's not forget about the other side of that, about us being a friend. Have you reached out to somebody who is one of your friends or supposed to be one of your friends when they're going through this? Have you and I taken that time to reach out to them? Paul gets very personal here. Let's look at 2 Timothy 1 and verse 15, first of all. He says, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Oh, I want to say homogenized. I don't know why I want to say that, because I don't recognize these names. Like, if you named your kids one of these names, uh, you know, that's cruelty. But he says, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. Paul was feeling deserted. Paul, the apostle, the great apostle Paul, he's at the end of his life when he needed people the most. He's feeling deserted. Wow. How can that be? 
It says that the, the, the word deserted means they turned away from him. They turned away from him. He ended up alone when he needed help the most. This is Paul the Apostle, the great Apostle Paul now. Wow. You got these two guys. Well, we don't even know if they're guys, right? I mean, I don't even know if they're people. But <laughs> you got these two. And it's interesting to think about it. That this is the only place that these two are mentioned in the Bible. And David Guzik said this, It's a terrible thing to have your name recorded in God's Word as an example of unfaithfulness. So the only time you're mentioned is when, like, hey, including these two. He, he, for some reason, he had to mention these two. These were two that he knew. And when you read Paul's letters, you see he, he knew a lot of people, and, he, and, and often at the end of his letter he would talk about all these different people that he knew and that, you know, say hi to so-and-so and the church in so-and-so's house, and he knew a lot of people. You say, Paul... Why are you, like, picking on these two people? I mean, he's just, again, he's just being honest, right? Everyone has deserted me, including these two. I was thinking about this. Well, why? Why? You know, you have, you have to ask the questions, right? Why? Why did they desert him? Why did he feel that way? Why, did he, why was this happening? Do you ever ask the question, why is this happening to me? No, you never say that. Only me. I'm the only one who says it. Why is this happening to me? So you, you think about it and you think about what's going on in his life and, and kind of what's happened. I think, I think one of the first things we have to think about in that situation is fear. Fear. Why did these people turn away from him? Fear. And why do I say that? Because look where Paul was. He was in a dungeon. He was about to be martyred and killed. Why? For his faith. And so for somebody to come along and say, yeah, that's my, that's my man there. That's my guy, Paul. They're afraid. You see, Nero, who was you know, kind of running the show there, that guy was insane. And, you know, the things he would do to Christians... Insane. So to be associated with him would probably mean that there's a good chance that you're going to get arrested too and you're going to get possibly killed as well, if not tortured or whatever else. So you think about that's a, that's a big thing. And, and now for you and I in our lives today, I don't know that that's so much a problem. I mean, as we speak. Could it get worse in our society? Yes, I think it could, and I think it will, actually. But I don't know that, you know, it's uh, uh, maybe people are afraid to get close to you to, to kind of reach out to you. They're afraid. They're afraid in other ways, though, right? You're going through some kind of real trial. They're, they're afraid because they, they don't know what to say. I'm afraid I don't know what to say to you. I don't know how to reach out to you. I don't know what to do. And so they don't do anything. Any of you ever feel that way? Like, I don't know what to say. And so you don't say anything and you don't reach out and you don't make that contact. That's a possible reason. I think we need to get over that. Maybe, maybe these two didn't have any time. 
people, you know, we, you know, we lead such busy lives. We're way, way too busy. And we don't, you know, we know one of our good friends is suffering and we, oh, I'm just too busy. I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll reach out to them tomorrow. I'll call them tomorrow. I'll send them a text. And then I'll call them next week. You know, we're so busy and, and, and opportunities, and we don't know what they're going through. We honestly don't, we don't know how, how deep it is for them. When you think about how, how deep it was for Paul, it was deep. I mean, it was deep. I mean, when he's saying stuff like this, these people have all deserted me, and I'm all alone here. He's talking to Timothy. Maybe, you know, they had other responsibilities. They had to take care of their businesses, whatever it was. Does it really matter? Do all these things really matter? Does it really matter why when, when you're in need and you're, you're wondering about your friends? Like, where, where, where are my friends? I'm in the middle of this thing. Where is my friend? I'm not talking about 100 friends. I'm talking about one or two or three, you know. Jump ahead with me to chapter 4. Because Paul uses this kind of language actually three times in this book. Chapter 4, look at verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Why did Demas leave him? Because he loved the world. He, he was wrapped up in the world. He didn't have time for his, his co-worker, his friend, whatever. He, he didn't have time because he, he loved the world. The world and what it has to offer. What is it? Uh, you know, don't love the world or the things in the world for the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. You know, they, they're not from the Father. How about jump down to verse 16? At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Again, he says the same kind of thing. They all left me. They all deserted me. They all turned against me. But look what he says in the rest of that verse. He says, may it not be held against them. I want to point that out because, because Paul was not bitter. He was honest, and if he had to call out somebody, he was honest, he did it right, but, but he says, may it not be held against him. That sounds like, like someone else we've heard before, right, in the Bible. Like who? Yeah, like Jesus, like Stephen, you know. Stephen was being martyred for his faith, and he said, you know, may it not be held against them. Jesus, you know, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think we need to be careful of that because, because we, feel, we, we feel deserted. We feel our friends have let us down and, and they're not there for us. And we can get angry. Have you ever gotten angry at someone? Why, do, why haven't they done anything? Where are they when I need them? And you can start to get bitter against people. And bitterness is a jail, I think. Bitterness is a prison. Paul was already in prison, inside physical prison. He didn't need to be in a, a prison inside of his, himself of bitterness, right? I think. He said, may it not 
may it not be held against them. Let's go back to chapter 1. Because in contrast, I want to say, you had these two guys, but in contrast, there was one person who was there for him. Look at it in verse 16. He's just talking about those that have deserted him. He says in verse 16, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onis, Onis, O one Siphorus. See, I just saw the name one, because there's one guy. That's not really the way to pronounce it, but it's easier. One Siphorus, because he often refreshed me and he was not ashamed of my chains. This guy, Onesiphorus, Onesiphorus, Onesiphorus. One guy, let's just call him one guy, okay? One guy. One guy was there for him. It says that he often refreshed me. And he was not ashamed of my chains. He often refreshed me. You know, Paul, how, what kind of refreshing did Paul need? I was thinking about that. You know, he, maybe he needed food. Maybe he needed clothing. Maybe just a visit. Maybe some kind of encouragement in the, in the circumstances that he found himself. You know, jails weren't like today where, you know, you get three squares and, you know, electricity, television, whatever you, whatever you need or want, cable, TV. I mean, it's not like that. It wasn't like that back then. It's like in some countries, uh, you know, if you end up in the hospital, it's, you know, if you're going to get taken care of, your family needs to come in and take care of you or you will not be taken care of. They might try to do some of the medical stuff for you, but for food and everything extra, that's what hap happens today in some countries. We, uh, you know, we are very spoiled here. So this one guy came and he, and he just, he was there for him. Paul was like, you know, compare between verse 15 and verse 16. The contrast is so striking, isn't it? But you think about that Paul, the apostle, the great apostle Paul needed he, need, he had a need to, for somebody to refresh him, someone to come and reach out to him. Yes. Why? Because he was human. He was, a, he was a, a man. He was a human being just like you and me. He had, he had struggles, trials. Paul the Apostle, wow. This one guy comes along and he refreshes him. Do you, do you and I need refreshing from time to time? Absolutely, don't you think? How about do you and I refresh others or do we just disappear when the hard times come? Something we need to think about. When you see somebody who is a friend, the quote-unquote friend, think about it. Think about Paul and his example. He said, you know, this guy, he came. He refreshed me often. And he wasn't ashamed of my chains. He, he wasn't ashamed of who I was and where I was. The book of Philemon, uh, Paul says to uh, this man, he says, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. 
you've refreshed the hearts of the saints. See, Paul talks about this kind of thing, and he, he knew that that guy was a guy that did that kind of thing. How about the book of Proverbs? You know, you know with this verse here, right? A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That's kind of a, a biblical principle, too, that as we refresh others, that it comes back to us, right? What we sow, what? We reap. It comes back to us. If we're willing to reach out to somebody in their time of need, you know, it's going to come back to us in our time of need. Too busy? No. He says he wasn't ashamed. He, he, he stood up for Paul even under those difficult circumstances. He wasn't ashamed. He didn't worry about his own safety. He was a true friend in need. This guy, this one guy, he was a true friend. Look at verse 17. It says, on the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. He searched hard for me until he found me. That tells us he was kind of persistent, wasn't he? And he was going to do it no matter what. You know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, just get the phone book out and, well, where's the prison? And you call him up and say, is Paul in there? You know, he's in some, some desperate, ugly place. And they probably don't even, you know, want people to know where these guys are. But he looked, he searched hard, he was persistent, he was loyal, he was faithful. He didn't give up, you see. He was a faithful friend. He showed up when he needed to. That's what a friend does, right? That's a friend. You know, didn't give up. Sometimes we give up way too soon, don't we? Oh, I made one attempt, you know, busy. I made one attempt, left a little voicemail, whatever. And we just give up. And, and you know, there's, there's something, I have to say this, there's something about personal contact that goes above and beyond a text message. Yeah, it's convenient. I understand that. I do it. But there's still something about making personal contact with somebody. And that's what this guy did. He made personal contact. He, he worked at it until he actually did. He worked hard. He searched hard until he found me, until he was like face to face with him. They say that uh, babies learn, I just thought about this, so that babies learn something by having this face-to-face -face contact with you. When you, you make eye contact, you, you speak to them, they learn how to speak, they learn how to respond in that by this face-to-face -face interaction. Well, does that go away when we get, become adults and become, you know, older people? No, there's something about this contact. We need to be careful with all the technology in our society. I'll just send an email, a text, a phone, mail, a voicemail, whatever, and we, we don't have that contact that, that uh, really makes a difference. That's what made a difference in Paul's life. This guy, one guy, look at verse 18, may the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. See, this guy, that, that was part of his thing, though. I mean, he, it wasn't just a one-time thing. It says he did it, you know, many times he did it. He was getting good at it because he had a lot of practice at it, right? We need to practice some of these things. 
Paul lived for a period of time, right, in Ephesus. He, he served the Lord in Ephesus, and, and he needed help there, too. And he wasn't locked up in a jail there. So this guy was, was a, a friend that helped him in the good times and in the bad times, right? Not just the fair weather friend. He was there. I have to say, I looked at these verses and two times in the verses 16 and 18, Paul kind of prays that the Lord would show mercy to him and to his household. I say, what? Wow, what's that all about? Why was he praying for him? Well, the only thing that I can figure is that, you know what, we all need mercy, even the best need mercy. In fact, uh, the letter of 2 Timothy, you know, in most of Paul's letters, he says, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus. He adds it to Timothy, he says, grace, mercy, and peace. We all need mercy, too, I think, don't we? We're going to talk next week about grace, but we need mercy, too, where God doesn't give us what we deserve, even the best of us. None of us are perfect. None of us get it right. But I think, too, about Lamentations, you know, where, where it says, you know, that, that God's mercies are new every morning. Isn't that wonderful? Great is His faithfulness. Well, one last thought I want to kind of go to to finish this up. I want to go back again to chapter 4. Back again to chapter 4 where Paul was speaking like this. And look at verse 17. Because it says in verse 16, At my first defense no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But look at verse 17. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, this, this right here, this is where I want to finish up because this is kind of where, where we can be certain and sure. That Jesus, ultimately, Jesus is the one who is there for you and for me. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who will always be there. Have you ever gotten into a bind in a situation and you thought, well, I'm going to call up so-and-so and you, and you can't get through? Well, well, I'll call this other person you can't get through and they're not there. And then it, and then it kind of strikes you, oh, well, maybe I should pray. Uh, oh, like, I guess I'll pray. That's okay. You know, I think God lets us get there. God kind of ties up those people sometimes so that you and I will see, hey, we need to go to Him. He's there for us. He'll always be there for us. The Lord stood at my side and He gave me strength. He's the friend. He's, he's the friend, the ultimate friend. I want you to know that. I want you to really get a grasp of that, that He's, he's the guy that will always be there for you. I'm just going to throw some scriptures up here on the, on the screen I want you to look at. Number one, he knows what it felt like. His disciples, 
you know, he'd been with these guys three years, right? And, and he told them, you're gonna, you're gonna, this is what's going to happen. They said, no, no, they'll all fall away. I'll never fall away. I'll never leave you. And he gets arrested. And what happens? They all deserted him. His own disciples deserted him. How about this? Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Even your own family sometimes aren't there for you. The Lord will be there for you. I can promise you that. That's a promise. The Lord will be there for you. He'll stand by your side no matter what and never leave you, never forsake you. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Who is that? That's Jesus. He's going to stick, you know, you might have a lot of friends, and they, where are they when you need them? But, but Jesus sticks closer than a brother. And the last one, their greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Who did that for you? Jesus did. Jesus did. The truest friend. The truest friend for you and for me. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let me read to you about that song now. That's a hymn and we haven't uh, perhaps done that one here or, or maybe not for a long time, but there's a guy, his name is Joseph Scriven, and he was an Irishman who wrote this, the words to this song. Somebody else put the music to it. It's an old hymn. How many of you are familiar with it? What a friend we have in Jesus, most of you. But it says he was 25 years old and he was in love. And he was about to be married. And the day before his wedding, his fiancée died in a drowning accident. The day before he was going to get married. So heartbroken, he sailed from, from Ireland and to, to start a new life in Canada. When he was in Canada, he fell in love again and became engaged again. But once again, his hopes and dreams were shattered when she became ill and died before the wedding could take place. This is the guy who wrote these words. Says, although one can only imagine the turmoil within this young man, history tells us that his faith in God sustained him. Soon after the second gal died, he joined the Plymouth Brethren. He began preaching for a Baptist church. He never married, but spent the remainder of his life giving all his time and money and even the clothes off his own back to help the less fortunate, to spread the love and the compassion of Jesus wherever he went. Is that incredible? This is a real guy. And God ended up using him in a powerful way. And how many people, just, just how many people who knew that song, even in this room, how many countless thousands have been ministered to by this song? What a friend we have in Jesus. Let me just read some of the words. Some of you could quote them anyways. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? 
We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Is that powerful? What a friend we have in Jesus. What a true friend, the truest of friends. So Paul, being in these circumstances, he, he was having a hard time. Everyone deserted him, but there was one that stuck by him. But ultimately, when we get to the end of our lives, you know, it's between us and God, ultimately, anyways. You know, as we go through life and the older we get, we kind of, our contacts kind of like diminish. But in the very end, it's just us and him anyway. So, so let's keep that in mind. Let's remember Jesus is the truest of friends. But, but let's reach out to one another and be friends as well. If we consider someone a friend, let's reach out. Maybe if you're hurting, you can reach out and say, can you, you know, hey, I, you know. Sometimes we hide it. We, people don't even know that we're having a hard time, right? We won't tell them. I don't want them to know that I'm not like as cool and, you know, and together as, you know, they think I am. Be a friend. But the truest of friends is our Savior Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus. We always have to get back to that, that, that Jesus came to this earth to, to show us the love of the Father, to be there for us, to, to then give his life for his friends, those that would respond to him, who would answer the call to drink of that living water of, and partake of the, of the life that he came to give us. Father, we, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, I also thank you for the friends that, that you give to each one of us, Lord, and I, I pray you'd help us in that area to be a good, faithful friend. Show us where we maybe need to do a little work, work a little harder. Maybe uh, cut the distractions a little bit. Think about it. But ultimately, we know, Jesus, that you are the best friend. We reach out to you today, Lord. The quietness of our own hearts. Maybe there's some here today who, who never have never made that uh, call. Jesus, help me. You can do it today. You can do it right now. You can reach out to them and say, just, just say it simply, Jesus, I need you. I'm all alone. I'm lost. I pray you'd come into my life, forgive me of my sins, be my Savior, be my Lord, but also be my friend. We need you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, let's stand and sing together, shall we?